I'm Slayton Holster with Slayton Holster Farms in San Angelo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I'm so glad you're taking the time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we go back to the Commodity Classic in New Orleans last week. We caught up with Ben Schultz. He's a Texas wheat grower in Northeast Texas, and he's wrapping up his term of service with the National Association of Wheat Growers. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. More and more Texas High Plains corn farmers have begun producing silage in recent years, but for those who are considering getting into the game, what do dairies need? I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Corn planting in Johnson County of North Central Texas, where corn is a staple crop. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is planting and harvesting, and citrus trees, well, they're still sleeping with no blooms. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. At last week's Commodity Classic in New Orleans, Lavon, Texas wheat grower Ben Schultz wrapped up his term of service with the National Association of Wheat Growers. Schultz served as president of the organization three years ago, then served on the organization's board as past president for the past two years. He says it's been an honor to serve the wheat industry. For me personally, it's, it's been a, an experience of a lifetime. It changed me, and the organization is changing. It's finding those things that we got a little problems with and finding avenues how we change them, and most importantly, is try to give back to the producer for what we're there for, and that's to represent wheat growing interest in D.C. But while this term of service is over, Schultz is taking on a new challenge as a board member with the National Wheat Foundation. So, you know, we can work with industry partners such as uh, Miller's, or bakers, uh, primarily is one of our focuses, but the whole value chain, that, that's what we're trying to work with. So it, it would be in a logistical system as well. It's partnershiping with them to find maybe everything from other uses for wheat to projects that, like the high yield contest annually, for the last seven years we've been doing a, a wheat high yield contest. Schultz grows wheat east of Dallas. He says he's been lucky this year and has gotten enough rain that he may have an average crop which is more than most Texas wheat growers can say. And speaking of the weather, the latest La Nina weather forecast is out. 
It looks like Texas will continue to see warmer than normal temperatures and below average rainfall over the next few months. The latest El Nino La Nina update from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration reports there is a 53% chance that La Nina will continue through the summer in the northern hemisphere. La Nina, which is a cooling of ocean temperatures in the equatorial Pacific, brings warm, dry weather to Texas. It is the opposite of El Nino, which typically brings cooler, wetter weather to the southern U.S. The NOAA forecast says after this summer, there's a 40 to 50 percent chance that we'll see continued La Nina weather or neutral conditions. With El Nino or La Nina neutral conditions, we typically see temperatures and rainfall closer to the state's average for that time of year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The recently passed Fiscal Year 2022 Omnibus Appropriations Package funds several programs important to cattle producers. It also maintains key provisions that the cattle industry has advocated for, including the electronic logging device exemption for livestock haulers, important EPA regulatory relief, and an extension of the Livestock Mandatory Reporting Program. It also includes funding for the Cattle Contract Library Pilot Program. More and more Texas High Plains corn farmers are producing silage in recent years. James Hunt has that story from Amarillo. Growing corn for silage has become good business for many area farmers thanks to the emergence of our region's dairy industry. For local producers who are looking to get into the silage game, I asked Bill Mahana of Pioneer Seeds what dairy customers need. We should be looking at delivering silage where we have two really important data points on it. We want to know what the starch content is. That's most important, okay? And then we probably want to know the fiber digestibility, but we need to have the grower explain to the dairy that it's really the growing environment that dictated that fiber digestibility. It's not the hybrid selection. The growing environment is three times more influential on fiber digestibility than is the seed genetics. But if the dairy customer is nonetheless pushing for higher fiber digestibility, Mahana says high chopping at harvest can help. The lower internodes are the least digestible. So if you were to raise the cutter head, say, to 24 inches, rather than chopping at six inches, you would reduce the yield that the grower is getting, but the dairy is going to get a lot higher fiber digestibility, which is really beneficial. However, if the corn farmer high chops to help the dairy, the corn farmer deserves something in return. We have dairies in the Midwest that are willing to pay, you know, two, three, four dollars more a ton, compensating the grower for the loss in yield, knowing that he's getting more digestible feed to his cows. So there's a discussion that needs to go back and forth about pricing when it comes to these parameters. And one more thought. We should be probably selling on a dry matter basis. So you could harvest early when it's a lot wetter and you got a lot of wet tons going to the dairy. They don't make milk off water. Okay, they want dry matter. That was Bill Mahana of Pioneer Seeds at the recent High Plains Dairy Conference in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Corn planters are rolling in north-central Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more. Today we travel to north-central Texas to Goodwin Farms for the 2022 corn planting season. Chris Goodwin explains the process on his Johnson County farm south of Fort Worth. We got the challenge of how dry we are, but we are still planting the good moisture, hoping we get the rain and we can have a good crop this year. Last year, we suffered a tremendous loss because of excess rain. You know, the month of May right here, we took 26 to 32 inches and it run our corn crop. We're hoping this year Mother Nature's a little kinder. 
when we start planting, we're looking at our ground temperatures have to be above 55 degrees. I prefer them be a little warmer. That way the seed sprouts, it'll swell and sprout in moisture and come up. I want to see emergence in 10 days. It may be a little longer, the cooler the ground. It may be a little quicker, the, the warmer the ground. But we're looking for that. So when we put this seed in the ground, we go out there and we set that seed at a certain depth. I mean, we can change each row to keep that seed in moisture. And we're planting a little deeper this year because the moisture is a little deeper. It's dry on the surface. So we have to watch that. It's, it's not just go out there and put seed in the ground. It's not that simple. You know, we're looking for that. We're closing that ground up, trying to seal it back over the top of it so the, the elements can't get to that seed so the trench can't dry out as quick. Corn is a huge staple in this area. We more and more to corn here. The way we treat our corn, we try and raise it to food grade because we have gone to food grade corn in some instances when we can. The feed market, the cattle, everything we're going to, it's a staple because if we don't raise enough here, that means they have to rail it in from up north. So it's a valuable commodity and every bit of it in this area that's grown is used here local. It doesn't get shipped. That is Johnson County corn farmer Chris Goodwin. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas is both planting and harvesting. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is still on a weather roller coaster with late season fronts still dropping temperatures into the 40s, but daytime highs have been well only into the low 70s. Soil temperatures are right for planting, and corn and milo have now virtually been finished at least 95%. Cotton planting, though, only about 25% complete. Pre-plant moisture has been excellent with the drizzle and the light rain that has fallen. The long-range outlook, though, is not looking so promising. Uh, the dry weather is set to start back with us in May, and it looks like it could be a long, hot, and dry summer ahead. Well, in uh, other news, the major concern right now is the citrus crop. We are harvesting citrus, but our trees that were starting to bloom back in late January and February, then after a series of cold fronts, all that bloom was halted. But the warm weather has not yet come back and for the bloom to resume. So the trees have basically, here we are in March, and no blooms yet. Now, growers are really concerned that the late bloom will hinder the maturity and that may be affecting market prices down the road. Now, the harvest, again, has moved into grapefruit and Valencia oranges. The valley continues to harvest its sugarcane crop and vegetables. The young onion crop is just looking beautiful. And cattlemen have been facing some problems of their own, mainly from wildfires. Several fires have burned at least a couple of thousand acres or more. Pasture conditions remain good. Cattle conditions remain excellent as well. Well, what the Valley needs right now is continuing to get some good rain, but we need some heat to help uh, get these crops, and particularly our citrus trees, to bloom and get that crop off and running. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. A change to Texas fishing regulations goes into effect this week. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And many calves are not alert when they're born. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Hi, this is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, I've spent my entire life in agriculture, and I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather all increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline comes in. I want you to write this number down, 833-897-2474, 833-897-2474. Have you experienced problems like rising costs, market fluctuations, family conflicts, or extreme weather? Are you feeling stressed and defeated? It's okay to ask for help. I want you to call the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number again, 833-897-2474. That's 833-897-2474. Or if you can't write it down right now, just remember, you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. The Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Many calves are not alert when they're born. Dr. Bob Judd says there are a few things you can do to help wake them up. Lots of newborn calves seem to be weak and not interested in rising and nursing as they should. Some have no suckle reflex and just seem to be asleep. Dr. John Madigan from the University of California at Davis developed a squeeze technique for newborn foals to wake them up and now is being used with calves. Dr. Madigan is an equine neonatal specialist and his theory is that when animals travel through the birth canal, a surge of hormones are released that shuts down neurosteroids that keeps the animal calm in the womb. However, sometimes the squeeze that occurs as the animal passes through the birth canal is not effective, and calves born by C-section never go through the birth canal. Because cattle are prey species, they have to make a quick switch to consciousness as soon as they are born, as they may need to run to safety within a few hours after birth. Because of this, Dr. Madigan developed a squeeze technique to use in foals because, for some reason, all foals and calves do not wake up as they should, and they stay in a sleep-like state. If you have a calf that doesn't seem to wake up correctly, then give Dr. Madigan's squeeze technique a try. The technique is easily performed and can be found on multiple internet sites by searching for Madigan squeeze technique. Basically, you need a long, soft cotton rope and place the rope in three loops around the calf's chest. Gently pull the rope tight to cause pressure around the ribs, and the calf will enter a sleep-like state with eyes closed, slower breathing, and low heart rate. Maintain pressure on the rope for 20 minutes and then remove the ropes and assist the calf in standing. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A change to fishing regulations here in Texas goes into effect this week. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Attention anglers, new fishing regulations for spotted sea trout in multiple bay systems go into effect Wednesday. From March 16th of this year to August 31st of 2023, anglers can only keep three spotted sea trout per day per angler in the following bay systems, Matagorda, San Antonio, Aransas, Corpus Christi, and the upper and lower Laguna Madre. 
Hannah Bauer, data analyst for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's Coastal Fisheries Division, told the Parks and Wildlife Commission these regulations will help the fishery recover after losses sustained during winter storm Uri. After the 2021 freeze last February, we estimated there was a minimum mortality of 3.8 million fish coastwide. Of game fish, spotted sea trout comprise the majority of the kill, with 160,000 fish coastwide killed and 90% of those coming from the upper and lower Laguna Madre. In addition to the change in bag limit, the commission also approved changes to slot limits for spotted sea trout. The purpose of this regulation is to allow for two full spawning seasons to take place under these more restrictive harvest measures. We expect this will really accelerate the recovery of the fishery to achieve the same levels of recovery we saw after those 83 and 89 freeze events. I'll take a moment here to discuss why we chose that 17 to 23 inch slide slot. Most anglers are catching sea trout that are 15 to 16 inches. And while our models suggest that a 15 to 20 inch slide slot would offer similar returns if implemented long-term. The 17 to 23-inch slot offers protection for those 15 to 16-inch fish and offers a quicker recovery within this two-year period. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mostly higher trade in the cattle market on Tuesday, but another big jump in wheat prices. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a mostly higher close in the cattle market on Tuesday. We finished higher across the board on live cattle mixed on the feeder cattle market. We'll start with live cattle where April were up 52 cents, 140.95. June live cattle up $1.10 at 136.80, while August was up 62 cents, 137.30. Feeder cattle finished higher on the two nearby contracts, lower on the deferreds. March feeders up 40 cents at 156.35, April up 20 at 162.60, while May feeder cattle were down 15 cents, 167.30. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday. We did see a bid of 139 up in Nebraska. No bids reported here in the south, but feedlots are asking 142 this week. Boxed beef prices mixed on Tuesday. Choice up $1.49 at 257 even. Select down three cents, 249.91. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
When you hear the cattle go to Beller here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, it's time to talk to Wayne Geiswide about his Wednesday cattle sale. Wayne, how'd that thing go? Had a thousand and eight head today, Larry. Uh, cow market was sure strong. Um, sold some cows up right on top of a dollar. Um, the good high yielding cows sure so good. You know, coming ten cows didn't bring a whole lot. Cow market, I quoted generally eight to ten dollars cheaper compared to the last couple of weeks what we've been having, but. There we still sold four weight calves up to two ten, five weights up to right on top for two dollars, six weights up to I think we sold a six hundred pounder in the one eighties. Um seven hundred pounders where we caught all the really caught the slack kinda up to one forty four or five. Uh, the heifers, uh, the good three-weight heifers up to on the high 170s, four weights in the low 170s, five weights on the mid-150s, maybe the low 160s, six weights, uh, sold some 640-pound heifers up to about 44. Um, so, you know, I, I know it was cheaper, and it's cheaper because of the price of increases in corn and fuel, but I was sure happy with what we had enjoy the sale and it ended up today well next week what do you anticipate well i'm sure we're on a few more sheep and goats we're getting close to easter and the ramadan starts on the second i believe so they ought to start seeing some interest in some of those specialty items um you know the cattle runs i'm thinking 800 to 1000 you know next we get a good rain which is sure would be nice yep it sure would well tell everybody how to get a hold of you wayne we're at 830-997-4394 neighbor thanks for joining us here at granny marble's kitchen table for another edition of walking the pens on the texas farm bureau radio network good day to you Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher on Tuesday. April hogs up 20 cents, 102.40. May hogs up 35 at 110.65. Class 3 milk was lower. March milk down 7 at 22.33 a hundredweight, while April milk was down 55 at 23.35. The cotton market finished the day slightly lower. We traded sharply lower earlier in the session, but we gained back some of those losses. May cotton finishing the day 17 points lower at 118.60. October cotton down 25, 106.06, while December was down 47 at 101.75. We continue to see the same mixed pattern in the corn market that we've seen all week long. The nearby contracts, the old crop finishing higher, while new crop corn was lower. May corn up nine and three quarters, 758 a bushel. September new crop corn down one and a half at 670 and a quarter. Big jump in the wheat market. Of course, the Russia-Ukraine situation has this market very jumpy. We jump up one day, down the next. Well, this was an up day on Tuesday. We finished with July Kansas City wheat up 58 cents, 11.43 and a half. July Chicago wheat up 57 and a half at 11.27 and a half. In the energy markets, April natural gas was down five cents at four sixty. April crude oil down seven oh five ninety five ninety six a barrel. The financial markets higher on Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up six hundred forty three points, thirty three thousand five eighty eight. The Nasdaq up three hundred eighty one at twelve thousand nine sixty two, while the S and P was up ninety three four thousand two sixty eight. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. 
Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.